All right, so good evening, good evening. So for those of you who remember from way back in the day, oh, sorry, let me just start this, uh, mute that. Uh, for those of you who, hey, hey, everybody, hope you're doing well. Way back in the day, you know, this may seem like a bit of a departure for me, but it's not. Let me tell you, it's really, really not because, so back in the day, I used to do a segment called the Libertarian Love Doctor, and I guess, I mean, I dated around a lot when I was younger. I added it up once, um, not to my eternal honor, but um, I've now been very happily married for 18, 17 years, known her for 18 years. We got married within about 11 months of meeting. And so um, I have given a lot of dating advice over the years, and I think I have some reasonable qualifications, obviously not professional qualifications, barely even amateur, but uh, I was raised by a single mother, uh, dated around a lot. I was a very good-looking young man. Still, you know, I'd hit that. But um, uh, then dated around a lot, was in one longish-term relationship for about seven years. Uh, we didn't quite make it to the altar. And... Um, Anyway, so I've been so I've gone from single by the household to being a bit of a player to uh, being happily married and monogamous, obviously, for 18, 17 years and so on. So I'm going to talk a little bit about dating stuff because, uh, well, who doesn't want to hear um, imminent boomer dating advice? And I know, I know there's people out there who say, hey, man, you don't know what it's like out here. It's an apocalyptic wasteland of confused estrogen whirlpools trying to drag you down to family court and disassemble your nads piece by piece. I get all of that. And I'm going to try and uh, help you out with some of that stuff just a little while, just a little bit. And uh, I guess I'll throw on my post-50 glasses. Uh, yes, let's let's do a couple of hellos, shall we? Okay, let's put on the serious glasses. The, uh, the no fooling non-distance glasses, the Coke bottle glasses. Um... Floyd footage, I mean, it's everything that I said. There's really not much. It's everything that I predicted, everything that I said. So we say hi to Harvey, to Lisey PC, to unique user ID bear, to Winter. Hello to Winter. It feels too soon. Spider Bip, Jack, WSD, Crazy Homestead, and uh, Derek Derek. Hmm. Echo. AV Scotland, Flower, Crazy Homestead again. Uh, so Dr. Grizzle, Nigerian Prince, I believe I remember you from my inbox, from my spam folder. Molyneux, that's kind of French to you. Hey, man, it's not just French to you. It's French in general. Molyneux. And uh, let's see here. Oh, here's a funny story. So I once, I once met a woman uh, in a bar, uh, very pretty and, and, and fun and fun and nice. And asked her out. And this is back when I was a broadcast student. And... She came from a very wealthy family. If I said her last name, you would know, like, instantly just how crazy wealthy her family was. And I guess, like, I don't know if you've ever known people like this, but these kinds of people who, they don't seem to have any clue what it's like to not have money, I guess. You know, like, me having a clue on, on where to part my hair. <laughs> you can part your hair. Or you can part with your hair. I, I took the former course. And I remember I asked this woman out. And I don't even want to give her first name because you might even know that one too. Uh, and I took her 
I really wanted to impress her, uh, obviously. And um, I took her to the CN Tower and man, it was expensive. The CN Tower is this, you know, giant, you've probably seen it, this giant spindle in the sky. It's got a rotating restaurant at the top. And I took her up there and she ordered like, I mean, she wasn't one of these dainty eaters. Oh, just salad, please. Dressing on the side and glass of Perrier. She was like, uh, I mean, it was like watching a shark in a seal colony, man. It was something else. She was just like lobster. And, and you know, I mean, I'm the guy, right? So I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay for the meal. And this is, you know, way back. I didn't have a credit card. I didn't, there was no bank accounts. You just, you know, I just grabbed all the cash I could and went to go for dinner. And, uh, man, she, she ate me out of my rent. Uh, it really was. Uh, it was like an asteroid flattening a village. So, um, and I, of course, even though I was hungry, I had to pretend that I wasn't that hungry. And uh, what I did was, you know, the usual cheap date phenomenon. You just gorge on the bread and cross your fingers and hope you'll make it. Oh, can I have a little ketchup? Oh, the crack's free. Can I have those, please? Oh, I remember going to the science center when I was a, a kid and not having any money for any food. And you do the, um, yeah, you do the crackers and ketchup, man. Crackers and ketchup, poverty soup. Uh, it's pretty, pretty tragic. Anyway, so I couldn't afford the dinner. I didn't have enough money to cut. Like, I wasn't even close. I had like 30 bucks on me, which, you know, was a lot of money back in the day. And this is back when you could, you could get like, Two people could eat at McDonald's for like three, three fifty, three dollars and three, three dollars and fifty cents. So I had to appeal, you know, man to man, so to speak, to the waiter and just say, "Dude, I'm like, I'm, I can't even leave you with a watch." And I couldn't, you know, I guess I could have left uh, uh, my wallet and all of that. I didn't really want to leave my wallet there, but I had to leave some form of ID there to come back, and I had to borrow money and come back and pay for it a day or two uh, later because I just didn't have enough money. And although she was a very nice young woman, I just, I didn't have enough kidneys to sell to, <laughs> to go out with somebody of those kinds of uh, ritzy tastes. So yeah, uh, that, was, uh, that was my experience dating upscale uh, for, for a while. Just Bar, hello, Michael Ransom. Hello from Melbourne. Oh my gosh, you guys are sealed up. Tighter than a monk's rectum. Holy crap. Uh, you guys got what? 8 p.m. to 5 a.m. curfews. You've got soldiers in the streets. Wow, I am so sorry about all of that. That stuff is straight up savage. And uh, my, my deepest sympathies for all of this. If it's any consolation, when I was in Melbourne, I was telling everyone that A, you needed borders, and B, China's kind of dangerous. But, you know, hey, I guess they didn't want me to hear too, they didn't want to hear too much about that. It's, so Joe, when I was on Joe Rogan, it's so funny to think I sat in the same chair as Steve Tyler and Robert Downey Jr. But anyway, when I was on Joe Rogan, probably uh, seven or eight years ago now, I can't remember, I was talking about how dangerous and powerful um, manipulated viruses could be. I've been talking about the need for borders, the need to reduce mass migration, and the dangers of China, which is my documentary that came out just late last year. Uh, I was actually in Hong Kong in September, and there's a lot of evidence that coronavirus broke in October in, in some of these places. So I might have got out there just, just, just in the nick of time. And, um, well, you know what philosophy is. Philosophy is always being sorry that you're right. Um, hell staff, gearbox, uh, facial. I'm not going to read the rest of that one, I'm afraid. Uh, Battle bear. Um, yeah, hello, hello, hello. A helpful friend. Um, Molly, you seem like a genuinely nice guy. You should do an interview with TRS. TRS. See, I got to tell you, 
Tandy Radio Shack. That's what that means to me. I will tell you about a shameful moment in my history. Ooh, you know, I've been deplatformed. Why not unburden myself? It's not like we have a smaller crowd here. I like to think of it as, as more intimate. Unlike Meat Love, I've gone from playing stadiums to playing jazz clubs and bars. It's a little intimate chat that we're having, but um, TRS-80. So TRS-80 was a computer sold by Radio Shack, I guess back in the what late 70s, early 80s. <laughs> a friend of mine had a TRS-80. I was so desperate for computer time, I literally considered dating his sister just so I could <laughs> get access to a TRS-80, which had, gosh, you couldn't even do random cursor edits on a TRS-80. You had to put in codes and all of that kind of stuff. But anyway, uh, TRS, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is. But And, and I am a genuinely nice guy. Yeah, of course I am. Uh, Steph, I had a similar date. This chick ran up about $100 in food and drinks. Yeah, that's, um, that's quite something. I had to print money to pay off a huge debt. Tuning in from Perth, Australia. Hello, hello. Nice to see you guys. I miss, I miss Australia. I had such an amazing time in your stunningly beautiful country. I mean, I had not quite such an amazing time in the somewhat stunningly beautiful New Zealand, but um, I absolutely loved being in Australia. It was, I mean, a brutal trip in terms of threats and violence and all of that. Not from you lovely listeners and all that, but uh, I absolutely loved uh, being in that. Uh, and my daughter was so keen on catching lizards. She caught a lizard bigger than my forearm and I, you know, I don't exactly have Popeye forearms, but, you know, they're not bad for a guy in his mid-50s. But my daughter, she caught a lizard so big that it left her a scratch that took about a year. And she actually didn't want it to go. She wanted to keep it as a memory of her time in Melbourne. It was so vivid and such a beautiful, beautiful country and love the people there. So I'm sorry I have not been able to get back in. Good evening from Midwest Brazil. Oh, man, you guys are what, number, number two, right? Number two on um, uh, on the COVID-o-meter. So, yeah, I'm sorry about that. You guys stay safe out there. Hello again from Colombia. Nice to meet you guys. I really, really thank you for all that coffee, man. It's beautiful. Um, Zio government used COVID-19 to finalize corporate globalism. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was a lot of that stuff uh, going on with regards to, you know, the massive power grab that is occurring under this. Um, COVID's not going anywhere. It's, it's, it, we, we're going to have to find some way to live with it. Hopefully it will become downgraded like uh, to a bad flu or maybe there'll be some sort of herd stuff, although that really depends on how long the immunity lasts. But it's really, really important to remember that there's never been a successful one-time vaccine against a coronavirus. Of course, the AIDS virus, uh, which was promised in the 80s, is still uh, nowhere to be seen. And although there are more than a dozen um, vaccines for viruses that affect human being, human beings, only one, only one virus has ever been eliminated in, in this way. And that's smallpox, of course. And even that took 15 years of highly concentrated and coordinated global efforts uh, at a time when the World Health Organization was not being run by who it's being run by. So yeah, you're just going to have to, um, Get used to it, man, and uh, maybe some combo if there's a vaccine that's safe, uh, herd immunity. Um, if, if it only lasts for, if your immunity only lasts for a couple of months, then it's probably going to reemerge every year. If it lasts for a year or two, then it'll reemerge every uh, couple of years. Uh, but uh, it's not, uh, it's not going anywhere. Uh, let's see here, Johnny 
paratrooper says, I need dating advice. I'm six foot four and 200 pounds. Haven't been on a date in six years. That wasn't a total nightmare. Well, okay. Saved programs to cassette on the, t <laughs> on the TRS-80. My first computer was an Atari 800. And uh, I got it because um, my step, no, my grand, no, my step-grandmother died uh, in Germany and left me about $800. The computer was about 1100 My mother kicked in a little bit extra so that we could get the one with the keyboard because the flat membrane of the Atari 400 was really tough to type on. And I got an Atari 800. It had 8K of RAM. I later upgraded it, met a guy in a parking lot named Luigi DeSmiley and spent about 80 bucks to get 32K of RAM, pushing it up to 40K, uh, which gave me a lot of room for my programming gigs, which was really cool. But yeah, my first, my first um, was the tape deck. Yeah, tape deck, and it transferred 1K every minute. So you had numbers on old tape decks, and you'd fast forward until where the program was, and you'd start loading it, and it would take, you know, eight to 10 minutes to load an 8K program. Do you know the most amazing game on the Atari 800 and 400, I suppose, was called Star Raiders, written in a 8K of, of memory, the most amazing game. And the guy who wrote it never got any royalties. It's just, he was just some engineer there. Just amazing, amazing stuff. Would love to have you come back one day. I would absolutely love to come back to uh, Australia. Every, every place I've gone, I've loved in its own way. Every single place that I've gone. I loved Poland in its own way. I loved Hong Kong. I loved um, uh, Brazil when I went there. I had an absolutely wonderful one. Sao Paulo was amazing. And um, a, a friend of mine there, his mother was super rich. And they, I got to fly in a private jet. I mean, this sounds like the most ridiculous thing now, so, so, so much in the past. But we got to fly in a private jet from Sao Paulo to uh, Rio uh, and spent the day uh, just getting the most amazing tours. And what an absolutely uh, amazing place. Um, that's where I got up and gave a whole speech to politicians about how corrupt politics was. It was really quite exciting when I was, uh, when I was back in the day. Uh, were you always a nice guy or did you change with time? So when I was younger, uh, I definitely had a temper. And uh, I had to work quite hard to learn to sort of manage and focus that temper into something more productive. So, Hi from Los Angeles. Hello. I also loved California. Went out there last year, last February, to do a documentary, uh, which you can find at fdrurl.com forward slash ca or just go to freedomain.com. And there's a documentaries tab. You can go and look at all of those. And I hope that you will uh, look at those. Um, let's see here. As the leftists ban the right from their platforms, the migration will continue to gap mines. Mew, I don't know what that is. Codius, Pro America Only, DLive.TV, Library. Don't forget Brighteon. Uh, and don't forget BitChute and all these wonderful places as well. Um, have your sentiments changed at all regarding COVID vaccines, Gates vaccines? So <clears throat> vaccines, 94% of them fail uh, first round. And there are side effects of vaccines which are of concern, uh, are of concern. Uh, somebody says, I just upgraded my iMac from eight gigabytes to 40 gigabytes. So one, <laughs> one million times your story, hey, quite right. Um, Ghost Kid says, I've been watching for around 10 years and your videos have got me through so much. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. I really, really appreciate that. Have you ever been to Africa? I have, in fact, been to Africa. I have been to Africa twice. My father, yeah, what a year, eh? What a year. My father died. COVID. I've been kicked off most platforms known to man and a few known only to angels. 
and devils. And when I was six, I went to Africa to visit my father, who was a geologist. He spent most of his career working in Africa. And I also went when I was 15, I think, and um, spent, uh, I would spend maybe two, two and a half months there each time. And uh, it was rough. I mean, first one was very vivid. I, I have so many clear memories of that. I remember um, my father, we went, oh gosh, I don't know how much you guys want story time. I will get to the Tommy, Tommy Lauren stuff, I promise. But uh, it's really nice to chat with you guys again. I, I missed you guys. But um, we went to the Serengeti, to, to this park. Obviously, it's more than a park. I think it's like the size of Wales, the country, not the mammal. And my father was a very avid, it's so funny to say, because it's all past tense now that he's dead, right? But my father was a very avid photographer. And he wanted to get, he would like win awards for his photography and all that. It's, uh, it was really cool. And he wanted to get up close and personal to a herd of elephants. And he was edging the car closer, edging the car closer, leaning out, driving while trying to take the picture, while keeping an eye on the elephants. And it was all pretty nutty. And you know, when you're a kid, I mean, probably happens when you're an adult too, but when you're a kid, you get this, um, you know, they call it the spider senses tingling or whatever it is, like danger, alert, Will Robinson. Anyway, so the bull elephant, we, I guess my dad, and I still remember it was a blue Fiat, uh, kind of a rust bucket that we had. Um, I think it was my father's car at the time. He was never one to spend too much on practical items. Impractical items he would spend a fortune on, but practical items, not so much. But um, anyway, so we got too close in the car and the bull elephant charged and then roared, right? You know, the, you know the, like they really, anyway, and my father was so keen on getting the picture that he he almost, it was almost too late, right? So he took the picture, he threw himself into the car, he hit the car in reverse, and I still remember the, the whine of that pathetic little 1970s motor as we backed away. And uh, my father, I mean, he had, he had some serious deficiencies, but he had some serious skills, obviously very good at geology. And uh, he was very good at letter writing. He said he collected people like some people collect stamps through his letter writing. And he also, and there's some people I've known who were like this, was like demonically possessed with excellence when it came to driving backwards down a winding road. I'm not a good backwards driver at all. I, it all gets reversed in my head, so I have to back up really, really slowly. But he was like full gas uh, and, and driving backwards, glancing forward, and it didn't seem physically possible that we could get out of that kind of winding dirt road with the elephant charging, and I thought it was really gonna stamp on our entire car, and we'd just leave this little blue metal stain under its feet, and we'd We'd go out like somebody in a bit player of a George Orwell novel about, uh, or George Orwell history about his time in India. And, uh, but we did, you know, we backed up, we made it out, uh, like being crapped out by a snake made of <laughs> uh, rutted earth. And uh, I've always remembered that really, really vivid. So yeah, I did spend time there. I spent time when I was 15 in Africa uh, with my father, but that was a very awkward time. He was very depressed. And he really put me to work there. Like I remember being up in the fairly hot African sun, although it's winter there when it's summer where I was, um, sanding down rust from the corrugated roof of his garage. And he gave me this old tinny radio. And I remember very clearly listening to Crimson and Clover by Joan Jett and the Blackhearts and really liking that song. Anyway, okay, so yes, I've been. Too high to get over? Oh, don't get that song in my head. You should stream Star Raiders. <laughs> 
if that's even possible. I absolutely love that game. Um, it was, I tried to recreate some aspects of it on the pet computer using ASCII graphics. All right. I love this intimacy. Much appreciated. Well, I really, really appreciate that. So, uh, let's see here. I'm late thirties dating. I had a first and last date with a lady who said she had a mummified child. She lost in childbirth. Oh, that's sad. That's very, very sad. When BitChute adds streaming and background play, it's going to be epic. I agree. And uh, you can, a bit slider, I think, is uh, an app that's available on Android. And you can uh, watch it that way as well. My last date started bragging, started bragging about getting quadruple teamed by the basketball team. Ooh, I assume that included some dribbling. All right. All right. Love you, Steph. I moved back home to take care of my dad. It's the most virtuous endeavor in my life. It's beautiful to hear, man. Beautiful. What part of Africa did you go to? So uh, we traveled around a lot. My father, of course, worked. Uh, and so I went with him to the bush and we traveled around a lot. Uh, he was based in Johannesburg. We went to Pretoria. We ended up down in Cape Town, stayed with a friend of his who was a missionary. Uh, and um, yeah, we, we just, we traveled a lot. Uh, but we didn't go north of we were north of South Africa, went to, yeah, so we didn't, I didn't go much, much further north. Do you wear the mask or muzzle? Uh, I do wear a mask when I go inside, um, but I spend as little time as possible going inside anywhere. So I, I do wear the mask and um, I wear the mask. I don't find it too, too bad to do it, but, and I'm, I'm lucky in that I don't have to, you know, work in a mask or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. I've been muzzled by some social media, but I don't get to wear a mask. But I do because people are freaking out and they're really, really scared. And I can't sit there and lecture everyone about the numbers, the realities and all the, the dangers and so on. And look, you guys know this. There are about 5% of people who get like long-term bad, they're called the long haulers. They get these long-term bad symptoms of extreme exhaustion. Uh, some people lose their sense of taste, their sense of smell. They get COVID toe. Uh, they get psoriasis, like rashes. They get a lot of stuff and it kind of hangs around, especially the fatigue and the nausea, the headaches, sometimes even up to migraine level, It's as far as I've heard. So, so like it's again, it's about 5% of people, it hits them really, really hard. And a lot of people get sick, they get better and they seem, some antibodies seem to be hanging around for a couple of months at least, although it's too early to tell. So there are people, um, and of course, they also may have someone elderly at home. And so I do wear the mask. I know that Denmark is not doing the mask because they say there's no scientific proof for it. And I get all of that. I get all of that. But I mean, to some degree, philosophically speaking, it's not true. But socially speaking, it's true. Perception is reality. And people are freaking out. They're really, the people are having anxiety attacks. They're having, can't sleep. They're having panic attacks. They're, you know, it's really scary out there for a lot of people and I wear the mask because otherwise people do kind of freak out. And I think that there is some value in the mask. I talked about this at the beginning of April. Uh, the mask, of course, uh, is designed to prevent you from touching your, your face as much. Uh, it is designed to, of course, uh, have a lower viral dose. If you get viruses, it won't stop it completely, but you get a lower viral dose, which means it's probably not as dangerous and so on. So. Uh, I do. Now, I will tell you that I did have to go into a mall for uh, a couple of items 
And I gotta tell you, it's not exactly claustrophobia, it's just sort of my personal experience. I wanna hear what, what you guys find about it as well. But I will say this, that uh, I do find it, it's rough, man. It, the mask is rough. I, I ask the people, like if I go and get a little food, I say like, how are you guys doing with the mask all day? And you know, people are obviously putting their best foot forward and, and so on, but um, man, it's, it's rough. I, I really do feel after a while, it's not exactly claustrophobia, but I do feel uh, not insignificantly oxygen-starved after a while. Like, I, I do have to go outside, take off the mask, and, you know, just, just get, get, get a couple of breaths in. And um, that's, uh, you know, the people have to wear it all day. Like, you know, kudos, more power to you, and so on. It's, uh, man, it's pretty, it's pretty nasty. It really is uh, pretty, pretty nasty. So um, I will... Uh, uh, really put out some kudos for people who have to wear it all day. I haven't had that particular issue. Um, I haven't had to wear it probably for more than half an hour, maybe 40 minutes at a time. But it's uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, I find it pretty bad uh, to, to, uh, to deal with. Um, just can't seem to get a breath. And, oh, listen, by the way, by the by, uh, let me just run through a couple more uh, questions here. Uh, YouTube is so hard to boycott. I use new pipe to download the important videos like Nabu leaks, political leaks. Uh, let's see. Are you guys uh, are you guys getting the stream okay? By the way, uh, sorry, I, I've lost a whole bunch of messages here. Uh, let's see here. It's uh, working okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm skipping a whole bunch of messages here. Within 30 minutes, you get a headache that doesn't go away. Breathing in your own effluent. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's not great. And it's amazing to me. Again, Tommy Lauren is, is coming up in, in just a second here. I mean, my, obviously my thoughts about it. But uh, I, I, what do you guys think of this? Like, to me, this is pretty wild. Like, China, the Chinese government, totally getting away with it totally getting away with it. And I'm the guy who did the video, the case against China, right? So I'm fairly down deep with just how much they covered up and just how much they broke their treaties and allowed the virus to spread internationally and segregated themselves internally while allowing people to travel overseas and, uh, you know, had a heavy hand in, no matter where you think the origins had a heavy hand in facilitating the spread of this virus around the world. And whew, they're, they're getting away with it. I mean, I, I, I read the media. Media was infinitely more enraged at me, a little old podcaster, than China that helped facilitate the spread of a disease. It's killed, what, three quarters of a million people? It's infected 16 and a half million people. It's destroyed trillions of dollars of value. It's caused tertiary effects of people not being able to get surgeries or health care or dental care. Um, there was a woman, 27, she just died of cancer because she said she was having trouble breathing and a sore throat and cough. And they said, oh, no, it's, it's COVID, so just go home. And it was cancer. She just died. I don't, I, I can literally have no clue what kind of moral universe we're living in at the moment where the media's enraged at me 
and totally giving the Chinese government a pass. I mean, the, the amount of, of suffering that has been inflicted through this horrendous virus is, uh, I mean, what, 150,000 plus deaths in the U.S.? Again, I know this official numbers and nobody knows the true numbers, but it's um, absolutely appalling. I, I think about my daughter and, and her future in this COVID world. What's it going to be like? To date, to hang out, to travel. What's it going to be like? Oh, well. COVID is nature's way of teaching everyone the virtues of homeschooling, right? All right. Let's get a couple more comments. Stream is perfect. Good. You know, so the masks as well, I mean, it's, again, I'm, I'm fine with masks, and I think they, they do certainly serve some value. But in order for a society to get up and running, people need, it's sort of like after 9-11, they put all this security theater in uh, around... You know, they didn't need security when, when I was a little kid traveling around. I would fly to Africa and I was six years old on a plane and, and it, it was none of this nonsense, right? But um, it's kind of like you need rituals. You need rituals to resume normalcy. And it's very sort of old, sort of primitive superstition, right? So how does culture develop? Well, culture develops because you know, some guy is singing a song and then lightning strikes someone dead. And they say, oh, I guess the sky guards don't like that song, so don't don't sing that song, right? And then someone's doing a dance and the volcano erupts and showers ash on the village and people are like, oh, I guess the volcano cards don't like that dance. And if you live at the bottom of a volcano that erupts on a semi-regular basis and you can't leave for whatever reason, then what you have to do is find some way to live with the volcano. You find some way to live with the How do you do that? How do you find some way to live with the volcano? Well, whenever the volcano erupts, you, through magical thinking, you say, oh, well, um, whatever people were doing angered the volcano god, and so we just won't do that. And this is a pretty essential aspect of human adaptation to a random world, right? Like, I mean, before you understood things like epilepsy, you would say, oh, they're possessed, or um, sort of a Tourette's or, or akinesia, I think it's called, where you just get this kind of eye twitching and rolling and stuff. Say, oh, it's possession or whatever, right? Or before people understood spontaneous remission of dangerous diseases, they would say, oh, you know, cured by faith or something like that. When you don't have control over your environment, you still have to control your fear of your environment. So you create these rituals that allow you to get through the day. And we, we do this all. I mean, we all do this, right? We could all, you know, Brian May, who's been, you know, skinny as a rake, uh, the guitarist for uh, Queen, right? But, uh, yeah, Brian May um, had, like, a heart attack or a couple of heart He had to have, like, three arteries. He's only 71. The guy's been skinny as a rail his whole life, but maybe he was skinny fat. I don't know his exercise or what. But, you know, we all could, could keel over tomorrow, and we have to have this kind of faith, you know, this momentum in our life, this faith in our life. And, and some of it's real and some of it's magical thinking, and it's just what allows us to get through the day, and um, while I certainly accept that masks have some value for sure, it is also just part of, okay, well, masks allow us to get on with our lives. Because right now, all that's happening is nobody's really accepting that this thing's here to stay, and so there's this massive amount of borrowing and money printing, because otherwise we'd get really mad at China, and there are these rituals. 
you know, that you're going to just, you know, wash your hands. And again, washing your hands is good. They're going to sanitize. Sanitizing is good. You're going to wear masks. Wearing masks is good, I think. But a lot of it has to do with just, well, we, we need to do some stuff so we can get out of the house, right? So any thought about Lebanon? Oh, yeah, what a monstrous explosion there. What, 300,000 people are now homeless because of this uh, bomb-ish thing? It wasn't a bomb, like, as far as I understand it. They just, what is it, ammonium nitrate or a fertilizer or something like that been stored someplace forever and... I've heard a variety of, of stories about it, but uh, Lebanon is a, is a, is a bigger picture uh, situation because Lebanon is incredibly diverse, right? And see, diversity is supposed to be this big strength, but uh, Lebanon is facing, you know, massive clashes, social decay, uh, a virtual economic collapse, currency devaluation, and so on. So um, it's one of these things that the media doesn't talk about much because it's supposed to be, you know, a very sort of strong and vibrant and diversity brings strength and all that. So... Um, yeah, look at all that kind of stuff. <sighs> Steph, I don't want to breach your no politics rule, but are you familiar with Curtis Yarvin's work? I am not familiar with Curtis Yarvin's works, I'm afraid. Over here in Thailand, people wear a mask under their chin. It's all psychological. Right, right, right. Australia is already standing up to CCP. Ah, I've heard some of that too. And again, that's something... I had a number of people when I was in Australia on the tour with Lauren... Uh, a number of people come up to me and talk to me about China. And I remember being on Puffing Billy and my family and I and our security guards being the only white people on the entire uh, train. Everybody else was, was Chinese. So, I think the U.S. should officially recognize Taiwan as a sovereign nation in retribution to China. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be hard to know how much power America can project around the world at the moment, right? The who is in China's pockets? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. All right. Let's see here. Communists have never cared about deaths yet. Sorry, sorry. Okay, okay, okay. We will we will get to Tommy Lauren. You guys are just too many great uh, uh, too many great questions. All right. Yeah, one fifth the power of Hiroshima. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Share the stream. Yes, if you could. Yes, if you could. The World Health Organization estimates two and a half million deaths due to starvation from effects the effects of lockdowns. Well. That's the thing, right? So, sorry, I shift my legs a little here. <laughs> so, um, this is again something I talked about uh, back in early April. You know, what are we day now? 130 of the 14-day lockdown to flatten the curve. But um, it's uh, all of the uh, hidden costs that are going to be particularly problematic, and some of those have yet to accumulate. I've been getting emails from people in the shipping industry saying that shipping has ground to a halt and uh, so sailors are often stranded and locked in port and it's uh, really rough. You know, there's, this is something I learned because when I was a software entrepreneur, I was business to business. We didn't sell to consumers, but we sold to businesses. The B2B sector, as it's called, the business to business sector, dwarfs the business to consumer sector significantly. And there's so much machinery that goes into you being able to get a banana in Quebec in February that people don't see and that machinery a lot of it is grinding to a halt and there's still some stuff flowing out through the conveyor belt but it's uh, it's rough for the supply chains as a whole and some of that stuff has yet to shake out and um, but you know the problem is here's the problem right the problem I used to blame the politicians a lot more uh, not as much now so the, here's the problem the problem is that the population can't stand the truth right why why say all oh, politicians lie it's like well yeah because if they tell the truth, they'll get voted out. 
It's pretty, pretty simple, pretty obvious, pretty clear, right? That's why politicians don't tell the truth. I mean, this is why, you know, when, when Trump says in, in, back in the debates in 2015, 2016, or 2016, I guess, and Trump was saying, oh, yeah, you know, the war in Iraq was a really bad idea. I was like, oh, well, of course everyone knows the war in Iraq was more than a really bad idea. It was an international war crime of aggression, just about the worst thing that there is. And I did a whole presentation you should check out on library, on BitChute, which was um, Iraq, a decade of hell. I ended up going on television to talk about that back in the day. And just a little bit of truth, a little bit of truth peeks through the propaganda and the entire population just freaks out. And the population has antibodies to truth. They have antibodies to reality. It's what propaganda is. They sow you with a vaccine against reality, a vaccine against truth, against, right? So you can't see and you won't see in any of the debates coming up how to deal with the debt. Right. It was Rand Paul was saying that the Republicans should, who criticized Obama for excessive debt should apologize to Obama, and rightly so, because the Republicans are cranking up the debt like insanely. Right. In fact, social de- spending debt in American politics goes up when Republicans are in power because the Democrats aren't exactly opposing increases in spending in the way the Republicans do when they're in the opposition. So um, you're not going to see any politician who says, to the population, well, we've got to really tighten our belts because it's absolutely immoral to have our kids born into a million dollars of debt and unfunded liabilities when they draw their first breath. No wonder they cry <laughs> because they're crying based upon the debt. So politicians can't talk about that because if politicians talk about that and they demand the need for sacrifice from the general population because of the immense overspending of the boomers as a whole, well, they just won't get, they'll just get voted out of office. And then the media, you know, the moment you make any kind of cuts, the media finds somebody who's suffering under the cuts and interviews them and there's soft piano music and people cry and it's like, well, we can't do it. And right. So um, you can't talk to people about reality. I mean, we can, like, we, we, few, we happy few, we can talk about reality. But yeah, most people, uh, you bring even a vague shred of reality to their indoctrination, amniotic bubble sack. And, uh, you know, the, the truth has become a predator in the lying lambs of the subjugated. So, all right, let's get to, uh, let's get to Tommy, Tommy Lauren. All right. So I found this quite interesting. Um, I don't no, straight up honest. I, I've never seen a Tommy Lauren video. She is an attractive and intelligent uh, young woman. I think she's like, what, 27, 28, something like that. She was engaged for two and a half years. The rock was valued up at around $50,000. So I guess the guy came from means, a good looking young man. And Tommy Lauren, uh, I think, broke off her engagement in February of this year. And she said she wasn't ready to settle down and this, that, the other, right? So, you know, she obviously broke this guy's heart, I assume. They say that they're still friends. Who knows, right? Have you guys uh, watched her? What do you What do you think? Um, I think she got, didn't she uh, lose her position somewhere because she said women should have access to abortion and all of that? So uh, anyway, I wait for you guys to catch up with that. But um, it's, uh, it's rough out there for dating. And let's, uh, let's talk about what she had to say. So uh, again, she was in this two, two and a half year relationship. She broke it off in February. I guess she's dating again. And she put out this video. It's got like, I don't know, a million and a half views. And 
she's talking about criticizing men. Men are mostly trash, she says. Well, it's kind of schizo, right? Men are mostly trash. I'm not a feminist. I love men and blah, 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 right? And I don't know about her family. She said she talked about dating with her mother. She didn't say she talked about dating with her father. I don't know if he's still around. And if you guys know, just uh, uh, just let me know. She, she worked for Glenn Beck, the Cheeto man. Oh, yeah, the guy who rolled his face in Cheetos. Rolling your face in Cheetos is not an argument. Um, don't know much about this Tommy gal, but it's sounding a lot like my ex. She's desperate. No, no, don't give me the all-wad, man. Don't give me the all-women are like that. I don't believe it. I'm, uh, again, joyfully happily married. My daughter is wonderful. And so uh, you can uh, say all that you want, but uh, it's not true, I'm afraid. I have um, empirical evidence to the contrary. So anyway... So for those of you who haven't watched it, uh, I will just recreate it. Um, so she said, uh, number one. Oh, you know what? Before I forget, let me put my um, audiobook in here. Yeah, I just threw the audiobook in here. It's free. Uh, this is, boy, going back a ways. So 20 years ago, I spent over a year writing an epic novel about Europe between the First World War and the Second World War, it's one British family, one German family between the First World War and the Second World War. Obviously somewhat autobiographical. And um, I hope that you will uh, check it out. It's a free audio book. I've been recording it since being deplatformed. I've had a little bit of extra time and I wanted to do something to, um, I guess, lift my spirits. And, uh, and, and it's a beautiful book. Uh, I, I love this book. And of course, I haven't read it in a long time. And uh, getting back into it, um, it gets some of my acting training as well with the different characters. But uh, it's a beautiful book. And I hope that you will uh, check it out. It's a free uh, book for you. And uh, you can get it uh, on my um, freedomain.com. Just go on the blog and scroll down a little bit. It's called Almost. Um, and uh, I hope that you will listen to it uh, and, and check it out. And uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what you think. All right. Um, so, so, Tommy Lauren is complaining about men and she's got basically four things. And I wanted to give you my thoughts about that. Let, let me know what you guys think. So number one, she says, if you're, if you're a guy and you're interested in a girl, be single. I didn't quite understand that, what she meant, but she explained it a little. Basically don't two time, right? Be, 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 like don't be kind of half in a relationship interested in other girls or half dating another girl. Like just be single. So I guess what's happening and she's bringing a sort of phalanx, a femme phalanx forward because she's talking about all her friends and all this, that, and the other, right? Which is, you know, fair enough. But she's saying be single and she says, oh, my friends are all having these issues, so it can't just be us. It's got to have something to do with men. So what she's saying is, I mean, you know, in many ways, I guess Tommy Lauren would be considered an alpha female, you know, a smart girl, an ambitious girl, a successful woman, uh, you know, pretty nice figure and, and all of that. So the question is, what kind of men play around on the alpha females, right? What kind of men are players with regards to the alpha females? Well, the answer to that, of course, is the super alpha males, right? Tommy Lauren's um, fiance uh, was a very good looking guy. So they're looking at the very apex of the men. Now, the higher up you go on the totem pole of male attractiveness, particularly these days, physical attractiveness, uh, the, the, the more it is almost impossible to lock down the man right? Because he has so many options. I mean, if Tommy Lauren and her attractive, successful, intelligent friends are all throwing themselves at these guys, why on earth would he settle down, these, these sort of apex predator men, why on earth would they settle down with one 
uh, woman. When I was at the height of my male attractiveness uh, when I was younger, uh, there were virtually no girls who wouldn't go out with me. There were a couple, right? But um, I could get most girls, certainly up to, I get 90, 95% of the girls would, would go out with me. I mean, I was charming and good accent and, and blue eyes and blonde hair and chiseled and, you know, all of that. And I was on the swim team and the water polo team and the, uh, I was uh, played tennis all the time and I was on the, uh, the um, uh, long distance running team. And uh, so yeah, I was very athletic and very lean and, and good looking and, and accented. So anyway, I don't want to toot my own horn. I didn't inherit the stuff in particular. It was, I just inherited a lot of it. So it was just kind of good luck. But um, I didn't settle down, but why? I mean, you could go on different dates all the time and, and meet new girls, and you know, it's great, right? And it's good for the ego, good for the vanity, bad for the uh, self-esteem in a way. But um, So if they're all aiming at the very top guys, then you have, I don't know, but she's got 10 or 20 friends, and they're all aiming at just a couple of guys, and of course the guys aren't going to settle down. So the question then becomes, which kind of guys are you aiming at? Like, who are the guys that you're aiming at that they're such players that even though you're sort of an apex alpha female, you can't get this guy to commit to you? Well, because he's so good-looking, so successful, so charismatic, so whatever, that he's got his pick and choice, right? And any man who's at the top of the totem pole when it comes to dating is very unlikely to settle down unless he meets a truly remarkable woman He's very unlikely to settle down in his 20s. And she's in her 20s, right? Because it's just, you know how it is with, with women, right? So women rate 80% of men as below average in attractiveness. For men, like the bell curve of female attractiveness actually accords with reality. For women, the bell curve of male attractiveness is completely skewed. The vast majority of men are considered below average in attractiveness for women. And that, of course, is deluded and, and nutty and crazy and and, and that. But, but see, attractive women have a problem in that if they're with a less attractive guy, we all know how this equation works back to Gold Digger, right? The Kanye West song from way back in the day where Jamie Foxx yowls the intro like a, uh, Ray Charles backed into an electrical <laughs> cattle prod. But we all know the way that it works for women, right? Which is if an attractive woman is with an unattractive man, the assumption is that he makes up for his unattractiveness by being super wealthy and she's just in it for the money and the status, right? So that's the problem. So the attractive women have to go for equally attractive men, but the problem is that the very attractive men have so many options that they're very unlikely to settle down. They're going to be players. They're going to be lazy. They're going to ghost women. They're going to blow women off. They're going to right, have all of this stuff, right? So you're going to just have to adjust your expectations. Go for quality of character rather than quality of looks. I was better looking when I was younger, but I would be I would have been a much worse husband and father when I was younger. And you gotta look for qualities of character. And if you're complaining that all the men you're dating are jerks, the obvious simple solution is stop dating jerks. Now, what happens though is that the men of quality aren't as high status for the women in terms of arm candy and, you know, I think women a little bit more than men want to be, you know, the perfect couple, the beautiful couple, the, the, the twin tens, so to speak. And um, men, it's a little different, I think. But anyway, so 
what women do is if they keep choosing men based on vanity, based on status, based on looks, and those men turn out to be shallow and self-absorbed and unreliable and so on, what happens is the women say, the problem is all men. And so when Tommy Lauren says, all my friends have the same issue, it's like, well, yeah, because all your friends probably have the same values or lack of values that you do, and they're all chasing these, um, you know, stud muffins, square-jawed, ripple-abbed alpha males who are never going to settle down because men like to date in variety when they're young in particular, and women, you know, kind of want to settle down. So anyway, so if she's dating these guys who aren't, who are just getting involved with women, even though they've got other women on the go, it's like, well, then they're such high status, they're in demand about so just choose men based on quality of character rather than quality of jawbone. Number two, she says, don't be a pen pal. And what she means by that is because I was around in dating before there was texting and cell phones as we know them today. And she's saying, don't just text randomly, actually make plans to see a woman, right? And, um, but that's, that's another mark of a player. So when I was, um, when I was younger, what happened was I had, oh, I won't even say. So I had, I had a friend, I had a friend, so I had a friend. And I'd say, and, and he was, you know, well-educated guy, psychologist and all of that. And we had really, really good conversations about, you know, philosophy and self-knowledge and, and all of that. But he was a social climber. And social climbers are kind of exhausting. I talked about this with uh, Dellingpole when I was in Brussels last year. Gosh, last year. When I gave my speech on tech censorship uh, at the European Union. And, uh, but now this is intimate, right? <laughs> just, 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 just having a chat here, right? And a social climber, the problem is that they're always looking for something better, right? So I would say to my friend, I'll call him R. I would say to my friend, hey, R, let's get together this weekend, right? And he'd be like, I'll let you know later in the week. Hmm. I'll let you know later in the week. And wow, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out what's going on there, right? So what he's doing is he's saying, okay, you know, I rate going out with you uh, to a club or, or wherever, right? I will rate it at 8 out of 10, right? But maybe sometime between now and the weekend, I might get a 9 or a 10 in terms of an invite, right? And so I'll let you know later in the week, always translated to I'll hang out with you if nothing better comes along. Now, after a couple of these, I was like, dude, what's going, what's going on? And he, of course, you know, kind of Weasley wouldn't admit it and so on. So that kind of faded out for a while because, you know, if he comes up with something, oh, I'm, you know, I don't, wait, I don't wait to get bumped, right? I just find someone who'd want to hang out and all that, right? So that is... Um, uh, the, the social climbers are, are really kind of uh, exhausting with regards to that, right? So don't be a pen pal. What does that mean? So what happens is these, these super alpha guys, they fire off a bunch of texts to a bunch of girls, and they just, they just wait and see. They wait and see who's going to strike, who's you know, having a bunch of fish, fishing uh, lines in the water, right? You see who strikes and so on, right? So make plans, but make plans is committing to a particular woman like a week ahead of time, we're gonna go for dinner on Saturday, and then you have to say no to everyone else. But what if a more attractive woman, a more higher status woman, a more sexy woman, or whatever it is, right? Uh, or a more easy woman if you just wanna get between their legs, right? And so 
these men, the reason why she's complaining, like, don't be a PayPal, actually make plans, actually make, but they don't want to make plans because they're the super alphas and you're going for these guys based upon status. You're sure as hell, Tommy and friends, not going for these guys based upon qualities of character. So what is it? They're playing around, they're two-timing, they're unfaithful, they won't make plans, they just text and they won't, you know. So why are they attractive to you? Why are they attractive to you? if they're these kind of weasley scumbag alpha dippers, right? Why? Because they're high status, they're good looking, all the other women want them and they look good on your arm and you look good on their arm and you look fantastic going into a restaurant and everyone envies you. And It's all this shallow tween crap, right? All this clueless stuff, right? So she complains about that they won't make plans. And then she says, be consistent. Don't be interesting for a couple of days and then fade out and get distracted, you know, and I've heard about this complaints from women, oh, he was really great and then what happened was uh, he got, he, um, he, he hit his video game addiction for, for a week and then, you know, I got involved and then blech, he's gone all night, right? So don't fade out because by the time you fade back in and they always come back, she says, like a boomerang, uh, they always come back and she says, don't fade out and then fade in because by the time you fade in, I'll have lost interest and blah, 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 right? And then she says, don't be a bitch, right? And um, in other words, if it doesn't work out, uh, don't complain, don't badmouth me, don't whine and all that kind of stuff, right? You know, but why would you want things to work out with these inconstant guys? You ever had people in your life? It's a really important question. You ever had someone in your life who just is so flaky, it's like they've half in another dimension. And by flaky, what I mean is um, they make plans, they're late. They make plans, they change. They, they don't show up. They just, you know, like, and it's humiliating, right? It's pretty humiliating to do all of that, to, to get involved with somebody who may or may not have time for you, who, who may or may not uh, show up, who may or may not. Like, it's really, uh, it's really tough. It's really tough. I, I've had it a little. I mean, I think I, I, I assume just about everyone, you know, except maybe Brad Pitt, just everyone has had this from time to time. I had a friend when I was a teenager. He went to a different high school. We played Dungeons and Dragons together, and uh, it was a, a great guy. Uh, he, he was a guy who taught me, a, you know, what a bitch height is for the knees, right? Because we'd go see a movie. He'd have to sit on the aisle and stretch his knee out because he was on the basketball team. I think he'd hurt his knees, and like he, he, he would be in tears throughout the movie, um, sometimes because his knee would be hurting so much. And I think he ended up on painkillers. It was a very bad scene anyway. But um, I remember one evening, no, no, sorry. One week he was saying, oh, uh, there was a magazine called 17. Uh, and he's like, oh, my friends and I, we're gonna have a total 17 evening. We're gonna go down to city hall. We're going to rent skates. And then we're gonna go for hot chocolate at this revolving restaurant. And it sounded great. And I bit my tongue. Because I was like, I bet you he's going to invite me. I'm sure he's going to invite me. I'm sure he's going to invite me, right? And um, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. And um, uh, I then broke protocol and invited, tried to invite myself. And he's like, no, we have a fixed number. It's like, we have a fixed number? <laughs> what is this, a pontoon? Are we going to be invading Normandy? But yeah, it did, it did happen from, from time to time. So um, yeah, the people who... Um, they're, they're high and mighty, they're hoity-toity, they, they, they view themselves as superior to you and, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, sort of reliability and stuff like that is considered to be, I don't know, lower class or declasse or lower status to be reliable and so on. So now 
so these are the four things she says, you know, be single, make plans, be consistent, and don't be a bitch. Now, this is what she wants out of men. Now, this is, first of all, this is just don't be a negative. This isn't be a positive. So what are the positive things? She doesn't say anything about being a good Christian, about being a moral man, about fighting evil, about don't bear false witness, uh, about nothing about morality. Just don't be negative. Now, the reason she says don't be negative is she's saying, I want your positive. And what's the positive she wants? Again, good looking, high status, and so on, and all of that sort of stuff, right? Because why are you attracted? Why are all your friends attracted to these men who are not good people? You know, if, if these criticisms are true, that they're two-timing, that they don't make plans, that they, they bait and switch, that they're bitchy, and, and like, then why on earth would you be interested in such a man? Nothing about virtue, nothing about goodness, nothing about anything to do with that, right? And the shaming of men, you know, she says she's been complaining about the pussification of men. And she says, you know, men up to like their 50s, maybe even 60, they're just pussies and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, the pussification of men. So trying to shame alphas into committing to you is such a low-rent bullshit trailer trash approach, I can't even tell you. And shaming men into doing anything is such a terrible, terrible idea. But see, shame is the flip side of sexy, you understand, right? So shame is the flip side of sexy. I would do just about anything for my wife because she's just the greatest woman and I'm honored and, and humbled and, and, you know, she's she's gone through a lot, as you can imagine, right? is a little bit of a roller coaster in case you haven't noticed we're up and we're down away <laughs> she's you know she's fantastic um and so she doesn't need to nag me she doesn't need to shame me she just like we just she asks and i will i will do just about anything for her so you understand nagging or shaming is the flip side of sexy and and it's not always the case but 99% of the time. The most attractive women that I've gone out with, and uh, real close to tens a couple of times, right? But the most attractive women I've gone out with uh, generally have this, you know, caustic, bitchy side that, in my opinion, Tommy Lauren was kind of displaying in, in this, right? Which is this frustration, right? Because she's like, oh yeah, she also says, don't, uh, don't mix us up with the, what did you call them, Thoughtianas? So thought, for those of you who don't know, is an acronym for that whore over there. And thought is like the updated version of the word we used to call slut when I was younger. Uh, women who just portray sexual attractiveness, the OnlyFans, the Instagram, uh, OnlyFans, the Instagram women and so on, right? They're, all they're doing is, you know, they don't have anything going on, as she says, in terms of ambition. And listen, Tommy Lauren is attractive and intelligent and very successful and all of that kind of stuff. And so she's saying, don't mix us up with these low-rent, just plain pretty girls, right? And again, I sort of, I get all of that, but but here's the problem. When it comes to, I don't want to speak about Tommy Lauren again, I don't really know her, but you know, if she's all her friends or this type of, of woman or whatever. Okay, so what is attractive about them? Yeah, intelligence for sure, uh, ambition, success, uh, looks, of course, right? I mean, if she looked like Lena Dunham, it's unlikely that she would have got uh, the shows that she got with The Blaze and with Fox and so on, right? So again, nothing wrong. Fox has got this thing, you know, um, high tables, short skirts, long legs. It's just the way they roll. And, you know, nobody's averse to a bit of uh, eye candy from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that. We are 
visual and physical as, as men, and that's, that's perfectly fine. But what is attractive, say the woman is very attractive, so then you're drawn to her primarily, in, in part, and at least at the beginning, you're drawn to her because of her looks. You know, the sort of traditional thirsty uh, commenter on the videos uh, who imagines that she's going to see the comment and they're going to end up married or whatever, right? And so this aspect of things, what are you drawn towards that woman for to begin with if it's looks, but not the quality of her character? And again, Tommy Lauren may have, I don't want to crap on her, she seems like a nice person in a lot of ways, but if you are primarily focused on being drawn towards the woman because of her looks, in other words, that's the first thing, and again, it's hard to miss, right? Then what happens is she gains power over you, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. All intimate relationships involve the surrendering of power and being enmeshed in the other person. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. My wife is dependent on me. I'm dependent on her. We are under each other's spell or power, so to speak. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm dependent on you guys. If you want to help out the show, freedomain.com forward slash donate. Uh, you depend to some degree upon me to hopefully bring some reason and, and evidence and honesty and integrity to the conversation. So being dependent on each other is perfectly fine. The restaurateur is dependent upon the customer. The customer is dependent upon the restaurateur to some degree. This codependence, perfectly natural, perfectly healthy, which is, and it's inevitable, particularly you, you get involved in romantic relationships. You move in together, you get married, you have kids, you, you know, you swap uh, saliva on a daily basis. You know, you, you just, you're under, so how does she gain power over you, right? Because intimacy and love is vulnerability. It's vulnerability to time, to decay, to being left, to abandonment. I mean, you name it, right? It's vulnerability in love. So how does someone gain power over you? Well, if they gain power over you because they're pretty or super high alpha status guy or whatever, then they have gained power over you for something that ain't going to last. Ooh. That's the challenge, right? You know that old line, no matter how hot a woman is, there's someone, some guy in the world who's tired of having sex with her. Or, you know, no matter how pretty the girl is, uh, if she's annoying, you know, 15 minutes after sex, you just want to <laughs> call, call her an Uber, right? So that is really, really important. If the woman has power over you because she's physically attractive or high status from that standpoint, but not because she has great qualities of character, then what happens is you're going to be drawn to her like moth to a flame, but her physical attractiveness isn't going to last in terms of having power over you. So then, is she then going to suddenly have power over you because of the qualities of her character? Maybe, but I wouldn't say it's very likely. So then, from the positive stimuli of sexual desire, of physical attractiveness, so then from, she has to switch from that to negative stimuli like nagging and shaming and, and threatening and brinksmanship and ultimatums and blah, blah, blah. You'll never get another woman like me, right? Which is why you see Tomi Lauren in particular in this shows this, you know, she's looking good, she's pretty and all of that. And she talks about how attractive she and her friends are. And then she says, well, they always come back and by then I'm not interested and then you'll want me, don't be a bitch and don't trail after me and don't whine and don't, right? In other words, well, hey, you know, if you don't, 
if you don't get to keep this or you back away, you're going to come back and you're going to be begging and I just won't want to have anything to do with you. Again, that's a, it's not like a threat, like a direct threat. It's kind of an implicit threat, right? Like that you'll be thirsty, you'll be yearning, and she will say no. And like once I'm turned off, I'm turned off and this kind of stuff, right? So if you are attracted to a woman for her looks, then that will transmogrify relatively quickly into shaming and nagging. Uh, because you have to have to have, and there's nothing wrong with being physically attracted to a woman. I'm not saying, I mean, I think my wife is wonderfully pretty and all of that, but it's the quality of character that matters the most. That's what lasts. Quality of character means that you can trust the woman with your heart. You can trust the woman with your lust. You can trust the woman with your money. You can trust the woman with your life, which is what you do, particularly these days with the hellscape known as family courts. So if you go for quality of character, you end up with something permanent and wonderful. If you go for looks, and status, it will go to hell. It will absolutely go to hell, right? Now, just two, two more little things. Oh, just one more thing that I wanted to mention as well, right? So, Tommy Lauren and her friends, she's talking about women who I think in their early 20s, and I think she said sort of early 30s or something like that, right? So, Tommy Lauren is, and again, this is not personal to her, this is just, it could be any, you know, insert, generic, ambitious uh, woman here. So she's 27, I think, or something like that. So as you know, by the time a woman's 30, 90% of her eggs are gone and fertility begins to decline and, and birth risks, defects, miscarriages begin to go up and uh, it's really, really rough, right? So women who are using to some degree their looks, and there's nothing wrong with women using looks, again, beauty is a beautiful thing, but women who are using their looks have this problem, which is, let's say that some guy comes along to Tommy Lauren and, he's, uh, and he says, you know, um, I want to have a lot of kids, right? And, and, you know, you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, and we don't want to put them in the godforsaken government daycares and schools and kindergartens and all that. And so, you know, you've got to stay home. So then she says, okay, well, you know, I'm partly in my position because of looks. And again, She's not only a pretty face, she's got brains and she's eloquent and, and all of that. And she's ambitious and hardworking. I want to give her all of that credit for sure. I mean, you can't just make it based upon being a pretty face. So, but, but the pretty face is important. It's part of what, what works, right? So the pretty face then, what happens is she says, oh, well, if I go and have a bunch of kids, I'm drop out of the workforce because you can't exactly be raising sort of three or four kids and be a full-time news person or whatever she does. I think final thoughts, a pundit, something like that. But you can't, you can't do it, right? So she's got to have to drop out of the workforce. And let's say she has three kids, two years apart. And so you got, uh, she's, uh, um, the oldest kid is four when the last one is born. And uh, so then, yeah, six. So you got, you know, basically close to a decade before you can even think about putting them in some kind of school or something like that. So she's going to say, okay, so let's say we get married and, uh, you know, 27, 28, I have kids when I'm 29, and then I'm basically 40 when I'm coming back into the workforce. And when I'm 40 and I've had a bunch of kids, uh, I ain't going to be looking like I am when I'm 27 and have time to work out two hours a day or whatever she does, right? So this is the problem, that the very ambition that has her drive towards a very successful career is the same ambition that makes dating her kind of pointless for a man who wants kids right? Because the woman's beauty is there so he can judge her genetic fitness for being the mother 
of his children. That's what it's for. That's the evenness of the features, the hip-to-waist ratio, the lustrousness of the hair, the, the, you know, as I've talked about before, women's makeup is all about enhancing fertility signals, the smoothness of the skin, the, you know, even making the eyes pop, right? I mean, uh, it, it brings a certain youthful vigor and bright eyes are part of uh, uh, youth and, you know, whitening your teeth means that, you know, the old phrase, long in the tooth, right? When your gums are receding and all that. So, so all of the, the beauty and, and, and makeup and all of that, and she, you know, I looked at some of the pictures, she really does look like a porcelain uh, anime character at some points. And um, all of that is fertility signals, right? So why are men finding her physically attractive? Because she has very strong markers for good genes for having babies. Great, wonderful, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. But that's like a match, right? <laughs> Flares up. We used to call them Lucifer matches in theater because you'd have these giant matches that would flare up in the back if you wanted to light something so people in the back could see with their roomy bloodshot eyes. And so a woman's beauty is supposed to flare up, capture a man, get the seed, have babies, and then its purpose is done. Its purpose is done. You don't need to be hot when you're 40 because you had your kids in your 20s. So, you know, and then you already have the bonding, you've got the kids, you've got the shared experiences, you've got the quality of character, you've got the enmeshing interdependence of this wonderful marriage. So the whole point of her beauty is for the making of babies. That's why men have hormones, that's why we want to have sex, that's why we want to chase after women with resources. All of these, we all understand. This is not brain surgery, we all kind of understand this, right? So here's the thing, right? The purpose of her beauty of, of a woman's beauty, and again, I don't want to talk about her in particular, but the purpose of a woman's beauty is to lure a man in to ha get married, to have a commitment, to have babies. Right? Babies is the purpose of beauty. Baby is, babies are the purpose of hotness, of physical attractiveness. But a man who sits there and says, hmm, you know, wow, she's a high-status female, I'm attracted to the high-status, well, if you marry her and fill her with babies, uh, you know, sting-style, then the high status part is going to kind of fade out, right? Not through anyone's fault, just it's nature, right? The, the, um, the high status part, like she's not going to be a television star. She's not going to look like that on a daily basis. She's, you know, she's still going to be attractive, of course, right? And you're not going to change any of that, but she's just not going to be as, as attractive like that Belle Dolphin or Delphine or whatever her name is, like the pink wigs and the slapping makeup, you know. She's got two babies uh, 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 around. She, she ain't going to be dressing up as an anime character in pink wigs and pancake makeup. <laughs> it's just not how things you're going to get to see that morning face uh, and, and all of the blackheads and all that, right? It's just natural. It's, nat it's natural, right? So, so that's the challenge, right? So when men look at ambitious women, because she's saying, oh, well, so you're just into the Thotianas, the e-thoughts, the, the, uh, the women who've got nothing going for the mother than their looks and all that. It's like, yeah, but... When you've got this big ambition going, then the man is going to say, okay, so if I'm attracted to her for her looks, the looks aren't going to last because she's going to have a bunch of kids and, you know, the boobs are going to hang and, and she's skin is going to sag, the belly's going to get those silver wrinkle things that you get from having it stretched out a couple of times with babies and all of that. And it's, yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, women who are post- Babies can still be very attractive, but come on, we all know the reality. They're not going to be like Kelly McGillis uh, in, in 1980. They're going to be a little closer to Kelly, Kelly McGillis in 19, uh, well, in 2020. Or, you know, gosh, you want to see what happened to Val Kilmer before and after. I don't know what kind of weird formaldehyde Tom Cruise has got going on, but it's pretty significant compared to his other co-stars from Top Gun. 
man, they come back, they can look like the janitor and the lesbian school teacher. But anyway, um, so a man looks at that and says, oh, so you're really, you've got stuff going on, you're ambitious, you're, you know, your, your hotness is at its peak and, and you're on TV and so on. It's like, okay, so that makes me very attracted to you, so I want to have babies with you. And what happens when you have babies? Well, TV career is probably going to go, if, if you want to be a good a good parent, right? Your TV career is going to go in the toilet and you're not going to be able to go to the gym all day and you're not going to be um, as, uh, applying all the makeup and, you, you know, you just there's going to be a lot of sweatpants and scrunchies, right? I mean, it's just the nature of raising kids, right? Again, that's how it's supposed to be. It's how it's supposed to be. And so the question is for Tomi and, and her friends is like, okay, well, what do you bring into the table? Say, ah, oh, yes, but I'm, I'm, I'm wealthy. Okay, well, that's, that's great. That's great. So if being wealthy, if, if making a lot of money is attractive and we want to have kids, well, guess what? You're not going to be making a lot of money because we'll be having kids. So that goes out the wayside. Oh, I look great in makeup. Well, you know, you're going to have a bunch of kids. You're going to be up all night. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be tired. You're going to have circles under your eyes. You're going to, you know, your skin gets that dusty post-baby thing that happens like this weird... <laughs> Nosferatu stuff that goes on where it just looks like somebody sneezed a Woody Allen bowl of cocaine into a woman's face. This just kind of happens, you know, with aging either way, but definitely if you have kids, right? I mean, they're a little vampire stealing the life essence and beauty of women. And again, they're the Lucifer matches that you can see from the back of the theater, right? So, okay, so high status goes, career goes, money goes, the looks are going to diminish. Okay, so everything that attracts me to you is something I don't get if we get married and we have babies and you stay home and raise them and breastfeed them and take care of them and get up at night. All of the things that are drawing me to you are going to vanish if I get you. So of course the men aren't going to commit. Because you're holding up this status and beauty and money and fame and success and all that, but all of that goes away, my dear. All of that goes bye, 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 you know, boy band style. In sync style, or whoever sung that brain virus of a song, it's all going to go. So you're you're trapped. Now, if you bring qualities of character, say I'm a good person, I'm a loving person, I'm a stable person, I'm a positive person, I'm a supportive person, I'm a this, all of that is going to cause the man a to fall in love with you, and b when he sees that reflected on the tender care that you bring to his children, he's going to love you triple, quadruple, a billion fold. I mean, I love my wife before. We had a child. Afterwards, mwah, she is perfection incarnate for me, right? Uh, because seeing what a great mother she is only enhances my affection for her, right? And in the same way, you know, I mean, I would get uh, millions and millions and millions of views a month. And if she was into me because of my fame and prominence and like, okay, well, it's, it's dipped as... <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, it's not funny, but it's dipped a smidge. I love chatting with you guys, and this is this is about as great as it can be, but if she was in me for the fame, okay, well, the fame has diminished, right? Can't travel, can't speak, you know, deplatformed and all that, so it's got to be qualities of character that keep us together in the vicissitudes of life, right? So ambitious women, high status, but everything that they bring to the table, for the most part, not always, but everything they bring to the table vanishes when it's time to actually enact the whole purpose of that beauty, which is to have kids. So I just wanted to, uh, wanted to, uh, to mention that. All right.
let's uh, get a couple of cues in before the evening, but I really wanted to point that kind of stuff out, right? Val Kilmer gave oral sex to a woman and got throat, can throat cancer like so many men. Yeah, I remember getting in trouble in Twitter. Well, I was, I was never actually in trouble with Twitter until they actually kicked me off. I never even got a suspension. I never even got a warning. I, no issues. And then pff, um, 11 years, no, 10 years, something like that. Right gone, right gone. Is that, is that how we got it? Because I think that was Michael Douglas too, right? That uh, yeah, Oral sex, you've got to look this stuff up, man. Oral sex to a woman can be life-threatening can be life-threatening, so. All right. If a woman tells you she has bipolar disorder, don't even try. Uh, yeah, bipolar is, uh, is a hellscape. You know, the, the hot mess, uh, nobody's that pretty. Nobody is that pretty, right? And here's the thing too, right? So with regards to someone like Tommy Lauren and her friends, they're all successful women, smart women, attractive women. Go for it, right? But the price is that a man is going to look at you and say, you know, the man's penis is going to look at you and say hot, but the man's heart is going to look and say, is she going to be a happy mom to my kids? So we've got a lot of status. Now, a man can have high status and still be a good father because he's not breastfeeding, he's not up all night, he's not doesn't go through his body, it doesn't ruin his look, so to speak. So, and he's out there working and bringing home the bacon, so to speak, and all that, right? But that's the other thing too, right? So if you are a, um, uh, if you are a wealthy successful woman, this is basic, you know, even if you're like a lawyer and the hotness doesn't matter or anything, or maybe you're not hot or whatever or pretty. Okay, so let's say you're um, a woman, you're a lawyer, and you make $200,000 a year or whatever, right? Okay. So your man comes along and says, well, I'd really like for you to stay home. So if he only makes $100,000 a year, which is pretty good money, right? If he only makes $100,000 a year and you, as the woman, make $200,000 a year, so combined you're three hundred. But if you stay home, which is kind of what's needed to raise the kids properly, you know, um, uh, breastfeeding and IQ kind of go hand in hand in a lot of ways. So what's going to happen? Well, you're going to have to live on $100,000 rather than $300,000. So... In other words, you're going to have to try and find a man who makes considerably more than you do if you're a woman who makes $200,000 a year or you could be a doctor who makes $200,000 a year or whatever, right? So then you're going to have to find a guy who makes at least what you make and probably more so that you can stay home and maintain yourself in the style to which you become accustomed as the phrase goes, right? So you need to find a guy who makes $300,000 a year, $400,000, like really top, top tier guys, right? But the guys who make, you know, three or four hundred thousand dollars a year, so why is the, why is it that, that Tommy Lauren is so frustrated because these guys are going for the what she calls the thoughts, right? The thoughtianas. Well, because those women can transition into being moms without a huge amount of challenge, right? Because it's not like giving up some big, crazy, lucrative career. So the man who's attractive, who's successful, who's making serious bills into like three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Why would he necessarily want to go for a lawyer woman to stay home and raise his children? Because odds are that she's going to get frustrated and discontented because she's going to be like, oh, I wanted to be this lawyer and now I'm cleaning diapers and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's just, it's not that simple. Just being hot and successful and attractive and, and wealthy and all of that. I mean, these are definitely pluses for dating, but they ain't pluses as a whole for raising children. 
which is the whole point of being hot. The whole point of why men are attracted to you and why we pair up is for children. It's not for our JJs. It's not for our one-eyed trouser snakes. It's not for the twigs and berries, and it's not for the snug harbor. It's not for the docking station, nor the docky station, right? It's for, for children. That's why there's sexual impulses. That's why we have desire. That's why we pair bond. That's why we have endorphins. It's why you get that rush of romance that lasts for about six months. It's all for pair bonding with regards to children. So, Tommy and Tommy's friends, what you got to do is look at a man and say, how do I look as a potential mom to him? How do I look as the potential mother of his children? Because that's what the man is thinking deep down. If you don't have a good answer to that, you get a commitment, I guarantee you. Me and my wife are 33 and want a baby and wish we would have started five years ago when we first met. Biggest regret ever. Yes, the, um, the line of tiny miscarriages and, and dead fetuses that trail behind men and women in their 30s is almost without limit. And uh, bipolar disorder women are fun in bed but will cost you a lot in legal fees including time outing, time outing restraining orders in place. I don't know, I've never had any of those, but wow. Um, well, it's also, uh, oops, I actually put this one on. I don't know how to take it off. How do I take it off? Uh, you have possibly hit one of the big reasons we divert. Here's the thing too. So if, if a woman becomes a lawyer and then she says, oh, I don't want to be a lawyer. I want to be a mom. It's like, okay, well, that's, that's all well and good. But now society is out one lawyer. Like if we're down, okay, maybe that's not the end of the world for you, but you know, for other people, it can be uh, a real problem. So um, like I, I knew a number of women who trained as engineers. Not one of them is working as an engineer. It's like, okay, so that's just means like one of the reasons why the economy is slowed down, why wages are slowed down, is that we pour a huge amount of uh, money into training women to become professionals, and then those women get baby rabies. I'm just being frank with you, and again, there's lots of exceptions, but um, and then they drop out of the workforce for a certain amount of time, and maybe they'll come back in part time later, or whatever. But as I've said before, you can get perfect equality between men and women. It's just women can't have children. So you get perfect equality and then the end of the human race, you know. And after, you know, three or four billion years of life, it seems like a bit of a shame for weird egalitarianism fetishes to all of that, right? Women having children later in life is not good. Um, completely agree with you as a whole. It's a higher risk. Uh, it is, um, you know, listen, I'll be frank with you. Like my daughter is 11 and I'm going to be 54 this year. I cannot play with her as hard as I used to. I mean, she's bigger and stronger, obviously, but I'm a little bit more creaky. You know, I can't sprint the way that I could 10 years ago. I can't even sprint the way that I could three years ago. You just kind of age, you know, and I, I stay pretty fit. I play tennis. I'm on a bike machine. I, I have a weights, uh, I have a weights in my house and, and I've got a little weight machine and I, you know, work out three times a week. Like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm actually way less now than I did when I was 20. So I'm trying to stay pretty healthy, but you, you know, you can only fight time so much. So yeah, it's uh, better. I gave my woman her first kid at 40. Yeah, but that's it probably, right? That's probably it, right? I wake up and paint the Mona Lisa on my face. It takes two hours and costs $600 a month. Why won't men take me seriously as a wife? Okay, well, that's pretty funny in a way. Uh, that sucks. It's sad because feminism has sold women a bill of goods and they don't get it until it's too late. Well, of course, this is, you know, I think one of the reasons why I probably got deplatformed as well was that I was constantly encouraging intelligent people to have babies, <laughs> which, you know, 
some people don't like. It's a, a lot easier to um, control people who are less smart. So uh, genetics is significantly, uh, intelligence is significantly genetic. So when I tell people, remind people about the value of having uh, babies and my listeners are all smart, you know, it's not particularly helpful to the powers that be and all of that, right? All right, let's see here. Uh, any other comments before we... Uh, let's see here. Uh, what is it? Oh, somebody, I think it was Demi Moore, is starting a podcast on how to have... A lot, of, a lot of marriages are sexless. It's pretty wild. What is it, like one in ten, one in five or whatever? Oof. All of these good Christian women media stars, no marriage, no kids, feminist by the time she's 30. Well, see, here's the thing too, right? So if you're an attractive woman, you chase the alpha males, you can't get the alpha males to commit to you because you think that bringing status and looks and wealth and ambition to the table is going to be enough to keep an alpha male. It's not. You'll get them to date you, you'll get them to sleep with you, but you will not get them to commit to you. Um, so... What happens is, because you're pursuing men who won't commit to you, you end up with a toxic view of masculinity as a whole because you don't want to say, listen, I guess I've made, uh, I guess I've made a mistake in, uh, in who I've been pursuing. I've been pursuing people based upon vanity and this, that, and the other. Uh, and so what you want to do is say, well, there's nothing wrong with me or my friends. There's something wrong with men as a whole because you don't want to own the mistakes that you've, you've made. It's a natural it's, nat it's natural to say it wasn't my fault. It's the world as a whole. It's not me who's choosing bad men. It's that the men are all bad, right? Laura Ingram. Yeah, she's got, she's got kids, right? Let's see here. Let's see here. Wo women who earn, earn more money is a hard next. Yeah, because there's the other thing, too, where women say, I think Tommy Lauren says this, like, you can't handle a strong woman. It's like, I've got no problem with a strong woman. I just would have real hesitations. If a woman is really into career, success, money, looks, fame, glory, and all that, is she going to be happy raising uh, babies? Well, if she's not going to be happy raising babies, then my family life isn't going to be any fun because strangers are going to be raising my babies. I'm not going to transmit my values, or my values aren't going to get transmitted to them in the way. I mean, I worked in a daycare. There wasn't a lot of instruction on morals or ethics or virtue or philosophy or values or God or whatever, right? So... Yeah. How many alternate Twitter accounts is Stefan willing to admit to? Um, so, let's see here. When children could be made to work on farms and factories, people had lots of them. No, that's not true. No, but come on, look. Do you, you think there was a lot of um, factory kids in the baby boom, like post-1945? No, no, no. No, the antinatalism, pure propaganda. It's all just pure propaganda. Uh, it's, uh, and it's tempting, right? It's tempting for women to want to milk their looks into middle age uh, when, it's, when they're past due, right? Uh, uh, somebody says, Smokey Bear says, Stefan, I've personally observed one perfect marriage in my life, and as I said earlier, one of my cousins was a Vietnam vet. Okay, well, let's see here. What was it... Um, Oh, the guy from, not the Smiths, the, the Cure, Robert, someone or other, was talking about how he recorded his wife and they just were like lunatics talking to each other, right? Oral sex and cancer. Just looked it up. I'm so depressed now. 
Yeah, it's funny, eh? You know, like, I mean, if blowjobs gave women cancer, it would be all over the news. But when cunnilingus gives men cancer, sometimes, again, you know, you can get checked and all of that. And uh, you don't hear anything about it. It's, uh, I guess it's all that matriarchal <laughs> privilege. Do you think that online dating is a good idea for a young men? I would personally go face-to-face -face more so, more so. Will you do a new interview with Paul Cottrell on COVID? Yes, uh, yes, I will. I'm sure we will. Uh, oh, you like the Infowars supplements? They were good. All right. Uh, all right. Steph is secretly running the Twitter accounts of all CNN employees. Oh, that's funny. Robert Smith. That's the guy, right? All right. I will uh, close things down, but uh, I just wanted to drop by and say hi to everyone. Thank you so much for your support of this show. Um, in the roller coaster ride of modern philosophy and combating the illusions of the world, we are... Um, we're in a bit of a trough. You know, hey, if you can share, uh, if you can get the word out, I would appreciate that. Uh, you know, push back against this white supremacist garbage because it's really toxic and offensive and kind of dangerous too, obviously, right? So, yeah, get the truth out there. It's all available on my website. There's a link right at the beginning. You know, you can educate yourself about what I truly believe and what I've publicly said and maintained over these uh, many, many years. So, uh, if you could freedomain.com forward slash donate. I would really, really appreciate that. As you know, it's kind of tough at the moment. Uh, and um, we, will, we will find a way forward. We will find a way forward. The conversation that reason and evidence needs to have with the world is more essential, more important now than ever before. And uh, that, of course, is the goal. With your help, we will. I'll take you there. We'll get there. All right. And on the plus side, my daughter has finally fallen in love with the song Millionaire Waltz by Queen, which is a truly, truly great song. So, uh, you know, it's been a mixed month as far as that goes. Deplatformed, but my daughter's taste in music is hitting the uh, skyscrapers. All right. Thanks, everyone, so much. Lots of love from here. Uh, take care. Freedomain.com forward slash donate. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.